The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 468 for Sunday, September 29th, 2013. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Up, the show where you send in questions, tips, cool stuff found. Sometimes you even send in answers. We fill that in with some answers from our own. We package it all together. We put a nice bow on it. And together, we all learn several new things about uh, the Mac, life, the universe, everything. Each and every time we come here, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Fairfield, Connecticut, John F. Braun. John F. Braun. How you doing today, my friend? I'm, I'm celebrating National Coffee Day. Are you? Are you celebrating it appropriately? Uh, I have some uh, nice black coffee uh, in my Apple coffee mug. All right. When we were, uh, when we were out there last or, or a couple of years ago. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Is it uh, National Coffee Day? I don't know. I'm trying to look on Wikipedia here, but that's not, you know, it's not going to work out for me. Uh, yeah, yeah, September 29th is, oh, that's right. So there are National Coffee Days and it's uh, National Coffee Day here in the U.S., um, Canada, England, Ethiopia, Malaysia, and Sweden, uh, and Japan and Austria pick it up in a couple of days, and Germany and Switzerland had it yesterday. This is odd that we wouldn't, you know. Where is the National Coffee Day lobby when you need them to work to, you know, tie all this together so we can have one International Coffee Day? Somebody's slacking off. I, I know these guys. I mean, why are we paying them? What, what you know, these these uh, lobbyists are just there getting fat and 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 high on coffee, but not uh, you know not really getting the job done. What kind of show is this supposed to be? Uh, hey, did you get your iPhone yet, John? Uh, no, I got my uh, well, I got my mailer to send my old one back, but uh, no, not yet. Okay, I um I keep I keep checking the status, and it keeps saying ship. Uh, Pending ten seven. Oh, okay. All right. So mine, my my uh, my five S arrived on Wednesday. I was actually doing Apple Context Machine with Brian. We'll put a link in the show notes because I did ACM for the first time this week. Um, when UPS tried to deliver it, and I was kind of on the look. I was stupid. I should have just done the pre sign thing and and been done with it. But I didn't. I figured I would see the truck, and it would be kind of funny that I'd have to take a break from the show. And and so my showmanship. Uh, actually got the best of me this time because about halfway through the show, I looked. I'm like, I wonder where UPS is. And then I see, oh, delivery attempted. Oh, no. But uh, Lisa was able to go and pick it up that night. So, uh, so yes, my magical gold uh, iPhone 5S uh, has arrived. And I actually put a, um, a juice peel, J-U-C-E-P-E-L, um, glass cover on it. So it, I've got this hot rod red cover, um, uh, screen cover on the thing. And uh and, and then with the gold, you know, accents or whatever. It actually looks kind of nice. I like it. It's good. It's crazy. But um, it's I like it. It's good. It, the fingerprint sensor thing works. It it the, the flow of that works really well once I got the right fingers in there so that all I do is press down the button and it unlocks. Uh, but it's always secure or, you know, as secure as one's fingerprint can be. So. Did you try uh, try with the cats? 
Uh, no, I haven't tried it with the cats. Um, I, I was going to see if our new uh, Macika mascot and and TMO mascot wanted oh, to. Right, right. Wanted, yes, because we we got a new mascot uh, that arrived this week, uh, Hector D Bird, um, which some many of you may know uh, from Ambrosia Software's uh, history. She has uh, come to take up permanent residence here at TMO Towers East. Uh, she arrived actually on my birthday on Tuesday and uh, she has totally taken over the household. I'll tell you, man, having, I mean, she's an African gray parrot and it's not like having a pet. It is truly like having another active member of the household. This thing is super, super smart. Uh, you know, they say intelligence wise somewhere in the range of a, you know, two to five year old human kind of thing. It's no, it's it's really amazing, you know, seeing how that little bird brain. I mean, it's lizard brain, right? It's not mammalian brain. So there's there's some differences there. But um, it's really interesting. So, well, yes. it's been said she rules with an iron wing, an iron beak, my friend, or an iron beak. Yes. Yes, she does. And and that she does. Yes, I am. I am. But her faithful minion now. So <laughs> and word has it, she's she's kind of a pushy little prima donna, I think was the uh, uh, some, someone commented on Facebook about that because she's like, get me my banana. Mop yes. the floor. Get me my almond. Mop the floor. Tell me I'm pretty. Mop the floor. Mop the floor. <laughs> pretty much. That's it. She uh, she she'll do shots. Uh, you can give her a little uh, bottle cap. I saw that. Yep. And then you pour water into the bottle cap and she'll drink it out of the bottle cap. It's actually really funny. She makes this noise that, that kind of indicates that that's what she wants to do. But yeah, she's really vocal. It's cool. She's a, she's a cool pet, a cool, I don't know, not like I said, more than a pet anyway. So now Hector D bird is here, but no, I didn't try Hector's beak on the, um, uh, on the iPhone five S, but, uh, I, the battery on this thing, I used it all day yesterday and uh, and by about 1 a.m. when I went to sleep, it was down to 43 percent or something, which to me is a dream come true after the iPhone five. So I'm hoping that I can replicate yesterday's great success with uh, with battery life, because that to me is fantastic. Um, so I'm hoping that that continues. And um, other than that. I don't Oh, the camera on it, the, the low light stuff. Um, I did. We did this uh, gig last night. We, we kind of concocted our own little family friendly rock and roll show ran from seven to ten. There were kids there and all that. It was awesome. It was totally awesome. I posted a picture or two to Instagram that I took with the iPhone five. And, you know, it was a I mean, it was in a, uh, uh, a hall. It was called the, it's called the Rochester Opera House where we did it. But um, it flattens out and they took the seats out. It's actually really cool, John. You should look this this up as a tangent. Um, it's it's the Rochester Opera House in Rochester, New Hampshire. It's one of the it may be the only remaining theater in the in the U.S. that has a uh, mechanically movable floor. So when they want to do something like we did last night, they take all the chairs out and they drop the floor down so that it's flat. But if they want to do like a play or a a, a show, they actually raise the back of the floor up uh, and it, 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 yeah. And it sits at an angle and then they put chairs in and you've got like theater seating and you know, it's, it's what you'd want. And it takes about 45 minutes. They say to do the whole thing and they've, they've got stuff on the website about it. It's really geeky. It's really cool. But, um, but I took, I took pictures, you know, there and it almost when in looking at the pictures, it was like, wow, there's almost too much light in these pictures. It doesn't give it that dark vibe that it kind of had. Um, so 
It's good. It's good. I like it. I like it. So I'm excited for you to get yours. Yeah, me too. Because there's some things uh, that we'll talk about shortly that I can't do with my four. Yes, that is true. That is true. Yeah, but again, I got the uh, envelope from Verizon, which, uh, yeah, it's just a padded envelope. Throw it in the USPS and uh, and then they'll uh, critique it and then uh, give me some money. So, uh, Yeah, that's good. I think I'm going to wind up selling. Uh, I had uh, set mine up to go to Gazelle and I'm at my, well, mine, my, our old iPhone 4, which is the one that we're retiring out as, as the various phones move through the family chain. And it's a 32 gig iPhone four. And I think I'd gotten a quote of 140 or something from gazelle on it, which was really good. And I'd locked that in, but, um, but I figured I'd try my hand at eBay cause, uh, I had some time and, uh, I think I'm going to get about 240 for it on, uh, on eBay. So pretty stoked about that, but you know, you got to go through the process of selling it on eBay and dealing with those crazy people there and you know, all that stuff. But, uh, but I figure, what the heck, I'd lock it into Gazelle and try this. And if this works out, great. Otherwise, I'll take the money that Gazelle offers. Is good. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What else do we have? Any any little errata before we uh, before we jump into Raymond here, John? No, we should uh, get to it, man. Get to it. All right. That's true. Yeah, last show, we didn't get to uh, a lot of questions. In fact, we've, we've mixed many of those in here because of this so yeah go let's go all right yeah this one uh, is kind of all over the place but i think i help focus it so uh so i'll start here so raymond writes um i have an issue when i try to add a phone number to my contacts app when i select a phone number and even the address of a company and then go to add uh Control clicking on the address on the phone number, Skype opens up for me to add the contact. I want it to go to the contact app. Looking around, I find that my services in Safari has the Skype icon, add contact. I don't know how to reset the item alone. I imagine if I do a restore defaults in services, Skype would no longer be the icon I see in my Safari services menu. In order to stop Skype from opening up, I deleted it. Now, when I try and add a contact, nothing happens. The add contact item in services is cleared. How did I add add contact to the Mac OS service in the first place? All right. So that's the initial question. Then you chimed in, and I think to help uh, steer me in the right direction here, um, then you said that you thought I'd have the answer for this one. <laughs> um and I do, I think, have an answer for this one, but not, not the, the path that you suggested. Uh, and then you were suggesting data detectors may be able to solve this. So my response was, it f- was as follows. The thing is, I think we're talking about two different, uh, two different methods here to get data into contacts. Okay. Or two potential ways. Okay. So one, is, so one, it is true. So uh, services for people that have not used them, um, are, are items that are made available typically in the application menu uh, or for the application in question. And when you highlight some data, a service that is uh, appropriate for the type of data you highlighted may show up. Um, and as Raymond said, if you highlight something like, for example, a phone number and you have Skype installed, what will happen is it'll say add contacts and that service is registered to Skype, which is not what he wants. Now, then I started digging around and I'm like, well, 
because it sounds like what he's expecting is when he says add contacts is that it goes to contacts and it's like, okay, that, that, that sounds reasonable. It's a, a reasonable expectation. Yes, I would agree. But I do not believe so. So I did. So I'll, I'll just describe some yeah. of the digging I did is that services are, are interesting in, in Mac OS because there's a, a couple of ways that you can add a service. One is that you, if you look and I found two places, there may be more, but I, I think there's only two places you can have a service. One is if you go to slash library slash services. And the other place that I found some is slash system slash library slash services. That makes sense. Now I looked in there and I didn't find anything. Uh, I didn't find add contacts and then doing a bit more research. The other way that services can be added as we saw, is in an application. It, it can be embedded in an application, and it kind of does it behind the scenes, and that you won't find it in, in either of these services directories. So I did the same thing. So, you know, highlighted something, uh, you know, said add contact when it showed up, and sure enough, it would add the number to the Skype contacts. Yep. Um, and when I deleted Skype, that no longer worked. So the first thing that I'm going to suggest is that, uh, although it sounds reasonable that that is default behavior for that one, I don't believe there is any default behavior for that particular service. Right. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. This is just, this is a Skype only thing, right? Right. And I think what, what happens though, but if, if you do look and he, he did notice, if you do go into uh, the, the services configuration, you will see. Um, one called add contacts. And I think it's typically, so I think that's a placeholder is that Apple leaves that there, or maybe Skype put it there. Right. Um, right. Or it may be there, but not activated. And it's, you know, put there if you'd like to add that. So one suggestion I had is that you may want to uh, automator will let you create services. So you may want to explore creating a service that'll do this in automator. Do we have that a can be uh, kind of a pain in the neck? I, I don't know. Automator is pretty easy once you, well, you you have to kind of get in and, and mess with it uh, to get into its headspace. But um, it, it's uh, I don't know. It's 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 pretty. It's pretty cool. And there's a uh, there's a great Ars Technica article called uh, how to build Mac OS 10 services with Automator and shell scripting that will uh, that will walk you through that. So. We'll certainly put that in the show notes for those of you that want to head down that path. It, it's got some great sh uh, screenshots that show how this all works. So that's cool. Right. So, so that's one way to do it. But I think the other way to do it, Dave, is yes. what you suggested is that there is something called data detectors um, built into the OS. And, uh, but they're baked into only specific applications and that they're, they're not really global as far as I can tell. Okay. Uh, and one that many people have seen is that if you are in Apple's mail app and you hover over something that appears to be either a phone number or an address, you'll see a little line drawn around it and then a little arrow. And if you click on the arrow, it'll then uh, display the data and say, hey, you want to add this to contacts? And it'll try to be smart about either adding it to an existing one or, or creating a new one for you. Right, right. Now, it's possible, though that you may have disabled that. And there are articles that tell you how to do that. Um, or you could just do it on the command line. So uh, what I suggested is maybe this is uh, disabled in, in your setup. Um, and basically, if, if you go to the terminal, you can change that setting. So here, um, to re-enable it, you would you would say, uh, and it's, it's quick here, I'll read it out, yeah, defaults, 
space write space com dot apple dot mail space disable data detectors space no. And you'll put that in the show notes as a little code block, won't you? So that people yes. can see it. That's awesome. So I think that is, a, now, now unfortunately the data detectors are not in all applications. So if you, for example, you know, like he said, if you highlight something in Safari, uh, I don't think a data detector is going to step in and, and be smart about taking that data and letting you put it in context. You're going to have to do it in mail. Right, right, right. Um, the only other thing I saw, uh, I didn't try this, but the thing is um, some apps may have, a setting where you can enable data detectors. Now, I didn't find one for Safari, but you know, maybe worth a shot here. So, so you could use the general format of what I just said here. And for example, I found one that said at some point in the past, although we don't have iChat anymore, at some point in the past, you could enable data detectors in iChat and you would do a very, very similar thing in the terminal. You would say default space, right, space, com.apple.iChat, space, enable data detectors, space, oh, and then... A one, which I think is uh, the same as yes. Right, right. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you if you if you modify this string. I don't know if you could do com dot apple dot safari or whatever the. I don't you know, think config. so. I I I'm, I I did some searching here, and uh, somebody did have. There's a good hack for this, where what you do is you tell um, Safari mail the contents of this web page. Uh, and then it puts it into mail. And then at that point, you can use data detectors on the text of the message and then just throw away the draft. So that's that's the hack. That's the workaround. And right. that's a smart workaround. Uh, you know, it, it gets the data somewhere where you can mess with it very, very quickly. Uh, but, yeah, you can't do it. Yeah. Right away. Now, this one here, and I'm not going to read this one out here, but I remember at one point in the past, I actually found where the data detectors are defined. Yep. But I don't think you want to, you know, like MC Hammer says, don't touch. <laughs> well, you can't touch you, you this. D- don't don't touch it. Well, you could okay. try, but you're probably going to break something. But it's buried deep in the private frameworks directory in the OS. I wouldn't uh, do that. But I'll uh, I think I'll, I'll link to the graphic that I show here. But you may want to look at them because you could examine them because I think it, it describes what each one does. Uh, uh, how to parse certain data here. And there's one called web URL, another one called tracking number, another one called phone number. Um, yeah, if you're adventurous, maybe you could uh, <laughs> create your own or modify these. But I, uh, yeah, I may try that, but uh, have fun. It's dangerous. Yeah, let us know how that goes. Oh, that's good. That's good. It's, it's, it's an interesting tour through, uh, through all of that stuff. It gets, it gets crazy. All right. Um, we had a question from Jared uh, that the answer that we initially gave him, though, it didn't solve his problem. Uh, we'll talk about what solved this problem, too. But uh, but I want to make sure we talk about the processes because there there is some stuff that 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 is a very general uh, general troubleshooting tips. And that and the problem has to do with audio uh, and audio quality. So uh, Jared writes, we'll explain the situation. He says, I've got a super awesome 13 inch MacBook Air running OS 10. Uh, I run it connected to a 24 inch LED cinema display in clamshell mode and route the audio through the cinema display. After a few minutes of audio playback, be it from the web, iTunes or any other source, the audio gets all staticky. 
I use this same cinema display with two other Macs and have no problem with either of those. I have no problem with the audio on the MacBook Air without the cinema display. If I pause the audio for a moment and then resume playback, the static clears up for a minute or two, then begins again. Any thoughts? Okay, when you get staticky audio, the first place to look is someplace that's not entirely obvious. Go to in your utilities folder or you can find it with Spotlight. And and for what it's worth, I launch almost all of my apps with Spotlight. I do uh, command spacebar and start typing the name of the app. And then I hit enter uh, or return rather when uh, when the app shows up in the little Spotlight menu. So the name of the app is called Audio MIDI Setup. And uh, it's a it's I believe it lives in the utilities folder. And uh, it it's an interesting little thing when you uh, when you pull it up, you can see all of your sound input. And I hope I don't screw up what we're doing with the podcast here by messing with audio MIDI setup while we're, while we're in the middle of all this. Uh, you can still hear me, right, John? Yes. Excellent. That's good stuff. So um, what you can see is you see all of your audio devices, be they real devices or what I would call virtual devices that sort of exist inside the system. And for any one of them, you can choose it and it'll be an input or an output device or some of them uh, certainly can do both. And you get to set uh, two things that are very important. The format of the output uh, and in terms of the bit rate as well as the sample rate. And for most of what you're doing, you probably want that sample rate to be 44.1 kilohertz or 44,100 hertz. Um, If you there and some devices will take different sample rates, some devices will not. And when you've got a, a rate mismatch, that's when you can start to get staticky audio. And I have seen this happen and it's driven me crazy troubleshooting it because it's just not the first place that you look. So I want to kind of push that message out here that this is certainly a place to look now uh, for for many audio problems. This will solve it for Jared's. It didn't. Um, as it turns out, Jared wasn't connecting his MacBook directly to the cinema display, um, which made, you know, email based troubleshooting uh, challenging, I will say. Um, And uh, but what what it turns out was happening is he uh, had it going through. I want to get the right uh, things up here. He said um, he has I'll find it here. Uh, He's got uh, he was going through a hinge dock. And then using a Connects Snap X uh, to, um, I believe the Snap X is a KVM switch, uh, K A N E X Snap X. Let's see what that is. I think it's a yeah, it's a multi multi keyboard um, switcher for an Apple Cinema display. And he started isolating things and pulled the pulled all of it out and just connected the MacBook Air directly to the Cinema display and problem went away so he knew it was at least one of these two devices or perhaps the way these two devices work together so he pulled the uh connect snap x out which is this keyboard switcher thing and uh, or keyboard and monitor switcher thing and the problem went away so even with the hinge dock in there 
the problem went away. So it, in, in his scenario, for whatever reason, this uh, Snap X was mm, introducing some USB-based interference into the system or something that, uh, that caused this audio uh, hiccup to occur. So good troubleshooting on Jared's part to, you know, narrow things down and, and isolate. And that that's the trick is change one thing, test, change something else, test. Don't don't change five things, because then, you you know, even if the problem solved, you're still kind of back to where you started from that. You don't know where the problem exists to begin with. So um, excellent troubleshooting, Jared. And I'm glad, it's you, it, I'm glad you got it, it fixed. It's, it's eating the bits. Yeah. Yeah, it's something. I don't, it's hard to say, but you know, you could see the same thing with with a simple, and I've seen it with a simple USB hub, right? Where it, if it if it's just not passing the data exactly right, audio is very very particular. Video actually is very forgiving. Uh, our eyes will make up for things that uh, that aren't quite right, uh, but with audio, it you don't you don't get that. It's got to be perfect. So uh, so there you go. What do you got next for us, John? What do I got? I got a triple D reference pointer here. <laughs> <laughs> or a double, yeah, double pointer here. Oh, man. One of my first programming jobs, some programmer was doing this and it, it infuriated me. It's like, stop showing off. There's no reason to have triple D reference pointers. Come on. Maybe double. But anyways, uh, this is one that I received from uh, my buddy, uh, Mike T. Rose uh, via the Twitters, um, actually, uh, and he's with a TUAW. Yep. And it was pointing to an article. So, yeah, it's only a double pointer uh, pointing to an article by Steve Sandy. And he found something rather neat, which I can't take advantage of, unfortunately. Um, and it's Yet. regarding setting up an Apple TV. Okay. Um, and actually, I think that it, it, it also links to a, a support article. But if you get an Apple TV... It has software six on the Apple TV and you have an iOS seven device. What you can do is hold uh, Well, qualify that an iOS seven device of uh, beyond. Yeah. Four S four iPhone four S or later dual processor yeah. iOS seven device, I think is what's required here. And actually tried this because I recently uh, got an Apple TV uh, and it was running six. So what I did is I actually did a restore on it. So it would act like it was fresh out of the box. And then I tried this. Unfortunately, then the screen came up and said, oh, well, you can do this setup. So it advertises the fact that it does this. Unfortunately, it said it's not going to work with an iPhone 4 and iPad 2. Sorry, Charlie. Or sorry, John. Um, but basically, it'll, it'll pull uh, configuration data, like I think your .Mac account and some localization stuff. It'll pull it out of the phone uh -huh. or iPad or whatever device. Yep. So that's uh, actually kind of a, a neat thing, which is, uh, I guess, new to both yeah, the 6.0 software and something they put in iOS 7. So you may be uh, seeing more of, of that, uh, allowing you to use your iOS device to configure other Mac devices. I think it's Apple, great. Apple devices. Yeah, I think now, it's the great. Apple TV and iOS, is that running iOS? Mm-hmm. What? It is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd be nice when they open that up to, you know, allow several third-party apps, more third-party. We'll see if that ever happens. It would be nice. Okay, yeah. You know, it's very iOS-like. So I did notice, so, so you know, the time I've been playing with it, like one thing I noticed, I kind of did it by accident, is that when I held down the button on the uh, remote and I was uh, over an icon on the screen, it would jiggle. And I'm like, oh, I've seen that before. It yeah. actually lets you move the position of icons. 
except the ones that they build, build in. But uh, third-party services, you can move the uh, icon. And I think the other one I found is if you're on the About screen and you hold the Down button, it'll cycle through some information about your network connection. Oh, I didn't realize. I got to try that. Which was cool because I actually learned what it's doing. So if you recall, I also got an airport uh, express. Right. Uh, the new uh, dual radio one. So my time capsule is only single radio, but this is a dual radio. And what I found, well, I noticed this on the Apple TV. The Apple TV said, hey, I'm on channel 54. I'm like, wait a second. That's a five gigahertz channel, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So my Apple TV is connected to my Express on a five gigahertz radio. And then the other devices, my TiVo is also connected to the Express, and that's using G on 2.4. And right. then I think my iPhone is also connected. So, uh, so that was kind of neat to see as but well. But your iPhone will do and on 2.4. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there, right now there are three devices that are normally connected to that, uh, yeah. to that Express. Very cool. That was fun to see. And yeah, the Apple TV is uh, is pretty groovy. Uh, I have it plugged in, you know, HDMI into my receiver. Yeah. And uh, had to actually beat my receiver up to convince it to take audio from HDMI, not the optical audio. Uh, the menus are a nightmare on that thing. Um, oh, on your receiver? Yeah. 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 I, I, I couldn't tell it. Uh, the, the, yeah. I had, I, I have three HDMI ports on that thing and it would not take audio from it. I actually had to reset the thing to convince it that it should be taking audio. It was taking video from HDMI, but not audio. I'm like, oh man. Oh uh, yeah. 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 That's yeah. Fun. But I like it. And uh, my only, my only confusion is I didn't know if I had set up right because I wasn't getting surround sound. And what I found out is that a lot of content is not broadcast in surround. Not streamed. In or not streamed yeah. with surround sound. Yeah. I think uh, things that you purchase, so if you purchase movies or content, then I think that has surround. And then actually I found some things in the iTunes festival category uh, that all of a sudden my receiver said, hey, we're getting Dolby 3 slash 2.1. I'm like, oh, good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. I'm glad you got that. It's like, man, <clears throat> between uh, you getting your airport express and the iPhone five and listener Dave sending you, thank you, Dave, sending you the, uh, not me. I'm not thanking myself, uh, sending you the Apple TV. You're like, you're like moving into the future, man. It's awesome. And, and I wanted to try something else, Dave. Yes. So a little tangent, but I think it's useful. So the thing is, I then started reading some articles. I'm like, you know what? People have said that you can uh, mirror your video yeah. to the Apple TV. And I guess it's called uh, uh, AirPlay uh, Video Mirroring. That's right. That's the good news. The bad news is that my hardware is not capable of doing that. Your, well, your hardware, your old MacBook Pro is not capable of doing that with the built-in support of the OS. Yes, yes. Nor is neither, nor neither, neither is my Mac Mini, because my Mac Mini is a, I think, mid-2010. Yep. And the hardware that supports this, so it's a hardware thing. I think. I you don't know, think that, that's the other thing. I don't think it's hardware. Well, the thing, well at least Apple's implemented. Well, Apple claims that it's a, it, 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 their implementation, they claim it's a hardware issue because they're using something in, in some graphics chipset. That's true. That's true. To accomplish yes. this. On the other hand, as you pointed out to me, uh, AirParrot, I think it's called. Yeah. Uh, can do this just fine. I know. So it's just Apple's implementation that yep. uh, requires some uh, uh, recently, uh, relatively modern hardware. And AirParrot's cheap. It's 10 bucks. Um, so there, there's a little bonus cool stuff found thing. 
that we've talked about before, but it makes it so easy uh, to mirror your display. Um, so yeah, that's it's the way you go. And they've got it not only for the Mac, but also for Windows, and that's really cool, right? So wow, because the thing I was thinking about, because I'm like, uh, yeah, and I found some content. So the other nice thing about the Apple TV is it has some of the content that I purchased in the past. Like actually, uh, uh, I got <laughs> into Lost. I, I bought the first two uh, episodes okay. uh, many years ago, yep. and, it, and it still knows that I did, mm-hmm. but those were in standard def and they didn't have surround sound. So then I went down the path, well, hey, you know, I got it all on DVD. Let me see if I can play my D- – and that, that's what led me to look into the AirPlay mirroring. Yes. I'm like, well, I wonder if I can play my DVDs and have them mirror on, on the Apple TV. Right. And you can, but not with my setup. Yes. Like one yes. is you have to use VLC, and number two, you need a, a – you you need some well in my case I would need air parrot or something like that to right that. right right ah very cool I'm glad you're having fun with that man that's good it's uh it's cool I I re- like I said I really like it for just being able to use the iPhone you know to to beam stuff and remote control it and uh, it's great what you should oh. get John is the Apple Remote app and I think it's I don't think it's free but I think it's like a buck um, oh no, I have I already have it on my phone. Okay. So if if you fire up the remote app while you're using your Apple TV, and this obviously is true for all of you, not just John, uh if you have to type something, uh the remote your iPhone will actually buzz when it moves when you when you get to that keyboard screen, and then a keyboard pops up on your iPhone and you can type the whatever it is you need to type in. So like for logging into your iTunes account or you know, even searching for movies, if you know what you're looking for and you just want to type it in, doing it with the remote is a chore because, you know, you're, you're navigating a keyboard with a five you know button device or something. But um, but being able to just type right in on your phone and it magically appears. So the remote app is free. Somebody's telling me, well, maybe back when I got it, it wasn't free. I don't know. Maybe it always has been. Maybe I'm confusing it with the keynote remote, which is exactly what I'm confusing it with. So thank you to GGC, GJC in the chat room at MacGeekGab.com slash stream. I will say hello to all of you. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. So, yeah, that remote app is fun. And it's always been free. Indeed. Yeah, what was the last thing I did? Oh, and you can also link to Flickr. And actually, this led me to... uh, (laughs) I didn't realize I had three Flickr accounts. Yeah, I I can believe that. You may have seen that because I started... uh, Because it was like, well, which Flickr account do you want to link to? And I'm like, well, John F. Braun. And it linked to this account and there was nothing there. And I'm like, no, I got tons of pictures there. Then I realized I had a a terrible mess and that I had multiple Flickr accounts that that I had never really used. And I I just never really realized it. So I finally consolidated. uh, Well, I deactivated the two that I don't use. And then I had to um, actually transfer the ID. So the thing is, I I was logging into my current Flickr account with Gmail with, with my Google account. And I'm like, yeah. Oh man, I, I don't want that. I want to log in with my Yahoo account. And there is a way to do that. I'll, we'll link to that as well. Okay. I think it's flickr.com slash it's somewhere, but it allows you to switch that around because yeah, it was, it was a mess, but it's nice to have my Flickr pictures come up on the screensaver or other people's. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. We have, um, we take our vacation pictures and, and just have them as the screensaver on the Apple TV. And it's, it's kind of cool. Cause what, what'll happen is, We'll fire up the Apple TV to do something. And sometimes it's we'll watch a you know, a long movie or whatever. But other times it's just to watch snippets of content, a song from the iTunes Music Festival or, you know, a video stream from YouTube. And then whatever happens, we'll stop. 
and you know, then we're at the main screen and we'll wind up chit chatting as a family. And then within a minute or whatever we have it set to our vacation pictures start showing up. And, and then we wind up like, you know, the conversation shifts like, Oh, do you remember when we did that? And, and it actually is really kind of a cool thing to just have that randomly sort of roll through. So, uh, so that, you know, I got, in fact, this makes me think that I've got to update the, uh, it's not a playlist, the album, uh, to include the, the San Diego pictures that we took when we were there last year and those kinds of things. Cause it's, it's just cool to, you know, have these memories scrolling through memories, scrolling through your living room. So Apple can have that one for free. That's, that's, that's my gift back to them for, you know, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> They can have that slogan. Uh, yes. Yeah, so the one thing that we talked about in episode 467 was how Apple screwed up podcasts in iTunes and iOS and all of that. And uh, and how if you're sharing an iTunes account, as many of us do for our app purchases, it really kills you for um, being able to have, you know, multiple people managing podcasts. And Tony says, hey, guys, I disagree with the complaints about the way podcasts now work with iCloud. I love how the sync feature feature works. And here's why we, too, share a family iTunes Apple ID for purchases and apps. And my wife and my boys each have their own podcasts. I find it great that their stuff is available on my phone for times when we're in the car and we all all we have is my phone. I can play their shows for them. All I do is use the stations feature in the app uh, and in iTunes when I want just my stuff or just their stuff. The stations feature is great. I know the issue goes deeper for some folks, but I didn't hear the station option mentioned on the last show and wanted to make sure I shared it. Tony, this is brilliant because it really for a lot of people, I think it will solve this problem. Um, I never thought about using the stations feature this way. I immediately when I saw it started using it for um you know, there's a lot of different podcasts that I like to keep up with. Uh, some of them are work related. You know, all the podcasts that we manage through Backbeat Media. I like to listen to those and, and be able to spot check them here and there, too. Uh, but when I'm on my way home from gigs late at night, not last night because it ended at 10, like, you know, family friendly gig should. But sometimes I'm driving home at two in the morning. And uh, and so I listen to comedy. Uh, what I find comedy, I listen a uh, Penn Jillette's podcast is Penn Sunday school is, is the, the one that I, I uh, is my go-to show now that you look nice today is defunct, but, uh, but that, it keeps me engaged because Penn is crazy and he rants. And so, uh, that, that keeps me laughing and engaged and I don't fall asleep. And so I'd use the stations feature for that, but I never thought about using it just to separate out people, but there's no reason as long as everybody's, you know, respectful of, of everyone else. And, and the other issue would be is it with the only problem with using stations would be if the same per, if two people in the house, listen two or more people in the house, listen to the same podcast, but not together because once it's listened to, it's marked as played and then you, the next person doesn't get it. So that, that would be the only issue. But uh, but yes, this is a killer workaround um, and maybe not even a workaround. Maybe it's, you know, kind of how it's supposed to work. So thanks for sharing that, Tony. I like it. What's up next, John? What do you got? You got a quick one for us with Kenny? I think so. Yes. So, uh, so my buddy Kenny uh, actually asked this question on Facebook. And so I, I dug into it because it's been something that's been bothering me as well. And his question was, if I create a new email, how do I, how do I set the from 
uh, how do I set the from address? Okay. And like, that's a great question. And actually, you know, when I tried that as well on mail app, more importantly, his question is, uh, Every time I create a message, the app chooses to use my iCloud account, which I don't use much. Is there any way I can designate another email account or address to be the default account for sending messages? So it's not just selecting, it's making mail choose the from account by default. So, Yes. Now, if uh, and the key to and the key to this is in the uh, in the left hand column of the mail app that lists your mailboxes. Okay. And basically what happens, so normally if, if you highlight a certain mailbox and you create a new message, it'll do an email address that's appropriate for, for that mailbox. But if you have nothing highlighted, then what it does, and so this is what I found eventually, what it does is it will use the first email account that appears below on my Mac. Uh, okay, that, that's and, and true. That is, and that is exactly how he had it set up is that his first one there was his iCloud account. Now, how do you change this, you may ask? Well, the way you change it is you basically highlight the mailbox that you want to be the default, and you drag it to the top. So it, so uh, just to, to further clarify, you twist open the inbox. If you're using Unified Inbox, you might not see all of your inboxes. So you twist open the inbox so you see all of them. And then in inside the inbox, in, the, in Mail's left-hand column there, uh, you can move things around. And if you don't see Mail's left-hand column because you are using Mountain Lion's default view, you can pull it up by going to the view menu and saying show mailbox list. And then that will bring up uh, what, if you'd used Mail prior to Mountain Lion, would have been the familiar Mail view. Oh, look at you. Because that's not the way I did it. I actually did it by highlighting the... Um yeah, I didn't twist open inbox. I actually did it by highlighting the mailbox in the list further down. Ah. But actually, what you said is entirely correct, because I just changed the order right now, and the order of the items in the inbox mailbox also changed. Yeah. So either either one, and actually your way is better, because dragging the mailbox sometimes gets uh, kind of squirrely. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> In the lower menu, and then actually accidentally one point dragged one mailbox into another, and then it started copying all of them. And I'm like, oh man! So, so I haven't. Yeah, I haven't, your, your 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 method is is much better because then you only touch the inboxes. Right. Very good. Right. I do have another then, way of doing this though. Um, go. If you go into Mail Preferences and go to Composing, there's actually quite a few handy little things here. So uh, in the second section, which is called Addressing. You have the last option, which says send new messages from and you can choose either account of selected mailbox, which is what would be the setting that would make the behavior that John and I were just talking about work. Or you can choose uh, a different account and it's going to list all of your email addresses and accounts that you have defined in here. So if you know, I always want it to go out from this address, no matter what, uh, or at least I want this to be the default address. You can change it in the message uh, before you send, then, uh, then you set it here. Many ways to skin this cat. If, if in fact the cat's still in the box. Yeah. Well, if it's Schrodinger's cat, right? Yeah. Well, we don't know. And as a final 
clarification here. Yeah. And I found this as well. So once you select the mailbox, you will then see the email addresses under that mailbox in a certain order. Well, how, you may ask, can I change that order? And I actually found that as well, is that if you go into the accounts screen and then highlight one of your accounts. Yes. If you change the order of the email addresses, that will influence the, the order in which they are listed. So, yeah, this is a, this is one of these interesting things. Um, for those of you that don't know about this, uh, you you can go into, as John said, mail accounts. Uh, and if you have all of your email coming into one box, but you have multiple email addresses funneling in there, you can actually create a list. We've talked about this before, but it's worth mentioning because it's not obvious. Uh, but if you float over where it says email address, you will get a little help text that says enter one or more email addresses separated by commas. And as John said, setting the order of those um, sets the order for that list, but it also creates that list. And that's kind of a handy thing. Wow. I know lots of tips baked in there. (laughs) That was mail one Oh one. That was, yeah, no, that was mail two Oh one. That was two Oh one. Yeah. Getting a bit advanced there. That's good. I like it. I like it. And you know, what's cool though, John in iOS seven, that interface for managing multiple email addresses becomes a first class citizen. It, it, you don't have to create the comma. We talked about this, but you know, you don't have to create the comma separated list. You get this whole interface for managing it, which I think is great as it should be. A lot of people do this. I, you know, I know you and I do. Um, Now when trying to help Kenny, unfortunately there's some bad advice out there because uh, someone else had found an article saying, Oh no, you go to the account screen and you uh, change the order in the account screen. And I'm like, you can do that too. Well, no, that doesn't work anymore. Oh, is it, that it's right? An old, it's an old, old tip that I think applied to earlier versions of mail. Uh, but unless unless my m- mouse clicking foo is broken. No, you're you can, right. You can't. You can't drag them. Other other preference screens, uh, sometimes you can. Yes. But in this case, no, because, you know, the guy said, you know, oh, no, no, just just change the order there. And I'm like, it's not working. That's, that doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. All right. Uh, Larry. And this will be a reprise for some of you, but uh, but a good one. Larry says, I have I am an application fiend. I always figure the more applications I have, the merrier and more productive I will be. Unfortunately and conveniently, many of the applications I use contain those little menu bar icons to function the applications, which over time crowd the menu bar to the point that I cannot see every icon. The regular Apple menu with file edit view, etc., shrinks and grows with each application hiding even more icons. And I have a 22 inch cinema display at the highest resolution, but it's still not enough room up there. Sometimes I like to shrink the screen to a lower resolution. For instance, if my wife and I are going to be doing a crossword or an application uh, will or, or an application will automatically shrink it. Basically, I'm getting frustrated because I cannot access some necessary menu bar items when I have the screen resolution lowered. I have to play Sophie's Choice sometimes to decide if an icon is important or not. For example, I have completely trashed both menu meters and iStat menus because those like a lot of space. Is there a solution to my problem? When Dashboard came out and I started collecting a lot of widgets, I got the awesome Amnesty application to put them all into a single menu. Uh, Is there a solution to tame this menu bar overload? 
Larry, indeed there is. Unlike Sophie, you need not choose between Jan or Eva. Uh, you can keep them both with Bartender at MacBartender.com. It is built, purpose built to solve exactly your problem. Uh, and uh, it's awesome. I use it on my 11 inch MacBook Air because I run into this problem very, very quickly. Uh, you know, if you have more than three or four menu bar items, it, it you know, it just starts getting crowded. And uh, and so Bartender solves this problem uh, by creating a drop down menu. It's actually really full featured. Um, the first thing it does for you, or the most obvious thing is it creates a little drop down menu in your menu bar that you can then use to configure what appears there. So you can say, look, I want iStat menus and my volume uh, to live in the menu bar, the actual menu bar permanently. And then all the rest of my icons to appear in this little bartender dropdown. And that's awesome. But what you can also do is on a per menu bar item, uh, 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 per, per item, per item, you get to decide what happens if that item has a little update. Like some items will animate if something's going on, like Dropbox will kind of do its thing when it's uploading or downloading or crash plan will do the same thing. Uh, and some of them want to send you alerts this way. So when the item is updated, you can actually tell uh, me, uh, bartender to move it up to the menu bar temporarily. And you get to set, is it there for five seconds, 10 seconds, a minute, two minutes, whatever. And uh, so that you get to really see what's going on and, and it dynamically manages your menu bar. And it is awesome. Uh, I couldn't live on my MacBook Air without it. So I think that's going to solve your problem, Larry. I hope so. And, and perhaps solve the same problem for many, many, many of us. I love bartender. I've been using it since it was in beta. I bought it immediately when it came out. Um, it, you got to have it. You just got to have it. That's how it works. Good. Right, John. Splendid. Mm -hmm. Do you use bartender on your, uh, on your <laughs> MacBook Air, uh, pro rather? No. Okay. No, though it is a problem because yeah, sometimes uh, yeah. sometimes I'll yeah it, it, I'll be in programs where the menu choices uh, cover up some of the things in the menu bar. Yep, that's that's, that's bad. It is. All right, uh, Thomas asks. Uh, I have over three hundred mailboxes in my iCloud account, which is my only email account, and I employ rules. Excuse me. Little frog in the throat. And I <clears throat> it seems to be still there. Uh, we'll just roll with it. I employ rules on my iMac to send emails to the appropriate mailbox. I also created a smart mailbox on my Mac and on my iMac entitled uh, Unread, which displays all of my unread emails, regardless of which mailbox the unread email message resides. I was under the impression iOS 7 would support smart mailboxes, but no such luck. However, although iOS 7 has a built-in unread smart mailbox, it only displays unread emails that reside in inboxes as opposed to all mailboxes. The problem is that when I'm away from the office and I receive an email that goes into any mailbox other than the inbox, I don't know I've received it unless I scroll through 300 messages looking for unread emails. To make matters worse, all mail folders in iOS 7 are permanently expanded and there's no way to collapse them. By the way, the same problem exists for the flagged smart mailbox in iOS 7. Only flagged emails that reside in the inbox are displayed uh, in the flagged messages. So, uh, you know, he says, uh, is there any way to manage this? So 
there there might be there there's two ways to approach this and perhaps one or the other or a hybrid approach is what you're going to want uh you are clearly a power email user so and that's okay that's a good thing um you're doing all your rule based filtering on your mac um if you were to move that rule based filtering to the mail server uh, a couple of nice things happen. Number one, your Mac doesn't need to be on to ensure that these rules are constantly processed. And two, um, you get the results of all of these rules on the mail server. Now, depending on your mail server, you know, iCloud has some limited stuff. Gmail also has some limited stuff, but it's better. Um, you may or may not be able to do all the rules that you want to uh, apply. It, your your Macs, you know, uh, Apple mail for the Mac is better than uh, it rules than, than a lot of the server side stuff is, but with that caveat that it happens all there. So that's, that's one step and, and kind of thinking about moving that to the server may help you rethink how you do your email and might actually help solve this problem. Um, you might also want to consider an alternate mail client for iOS. There are, there are, uh, Apple's mail is great, but if you truly want to be a power user, there are a lot of things that it um, by design omits. But uh, these guys, at, the guys at Eurosmarts, dot com have a piece of software called AltaMail, and I keep it on my iPhone. Um, I don't I go back and forth between using it as my main mail client and then also um, my, uh, you know, and then, uh, or, or just as sort of an, uh, an add on mail client, but it is ridiculously full featured. And the cool part is if there's a feature that's not in it, uh, if you, you know, send a support email in and it makes sense for them, they'll add it and they'll add it very quickly. It is built to be an email client for power users. And it's like I said, it's called Alta mail, A L T A M A I L. And we'll put a link in the show notes, of course, but, um, it may well be worth your while to check this out. Uh, I use it a lot of times, you know, if, if I need to see the headers of an email, Apple mail won't show you that, you know, or the raw text of an email. This does it. It's got templates built into it. It's got, um, you, you know, you, you can set up an auto reply and auto responder. I mean, it, all kinds of crazy things in there. And my guess is with iOS seven now with backgrounding, uh, it's going to get even better. I can only assume that they're going to take advantage of some of that. So uh, uh, you you can move, you could actually move some or all of your mail rules to your iPhone, which is kind of mind boggling. Uh, but uh, so check that out because that might give you the smart mailbox flexibility that you're looking for on iOS. Um, uh, you know, so there you go. So there you go. That's, uh, that's all I got, but it's, it's good. You know, it's good. So, yes. What else do we have, John? We have, we we still have time, right? I um, yeah. We're running out. We're running out of time. Yeah. Let's uh, let's take Jack go, Bauer. Go ahead. Go ahead and do Rick. I think that's a good one to uh, to jump to there. Yeah. So uh, Rick uh, sent us a screenshot, and he says, "I have a question shown in the image. I now see a black stripe labeled shared folder." Uh, and it's a screenshot of the finder. And sure enough, yeah, it says share folder. He's like, why is this showing up? 
It started a couple of days ago. Um, and I'll tell you why it's showing up, Dave. Or, well, I told him where to look to, uh, to basically turn that off because it sounds like he didn't want to share, which normally it's nice to share. But well, some things you may not want to share. <laughs> um, so I said to Rick, uh, I've seen this too. Uh, actually, I see it when, uh, when I'm on my Mac Mini because I share a folder. Uh, you know, I do some initial prep on my MacBook Pro and then I transfer the files over to uh, uh, something I share on the Mini. Right. Um, here's where you want to look to see what the heck is going on. It sounds like, and I think what happened is he may have inadvertently shared a folder. So what you want to do is go to System Preferences, uh, Internet and Wireless Category, and then go to Sharing. And I said, I'll bet you file sharing is checked. And sure enough, I think the answer is yes, it was. <laughs> and if it is, um, it'll then show you in a, in a little sub window, it'll show you what folder or folders are shared as well as which user or users uh, may access those folders. Uh. Um, so I was like, if you don't want to share it, uh, uh, uncheck the file sharing checkbox. Or remove the folders you don't want to share. And, right. Uh, I think that uh, that basically solved the problem. And I think as it turns out, he actually was sharing, uh, uh, doing an SMB share for some program that he uh, had been using at some point in the past. Well, that's the other place you can look. Actually, in sharing, I think there's also, is, is it options, I think? So if you go to sharing, file sharing, let me double check this. All right, file sharing. Yes, there's an options button. And I think that actually lets you set the type of share which I think could be, uh, what, AFP or, or SMB, I think, right? Uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Let me look. Okay. All right. I had to uh, unlock it here. Yes. So share file done folders using AFP, which I think is Apple file protocol. And then SMB is the uh, crummy Windows uh, method of, <laughs> <laughs> of sharing things, which, uh, and you can choose either one. Yeah. FTP is yeah. no longer there. I think that was an option. It used it? to be. That's right. Um, and I think it's still under the hood, uh, as you know, they, I think, I don't think they took the FTP server out of the OS 10 core, but they certainly took the UI for enabling it out of the OS 10 core, but that's okay. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't be using FTP anyways, cause it's not very secure. You shouldn't be using it unless you really understand how it works and what the limitations and security risks are. I think actually the other option, I believe, Dave, uh, this is, this is, um, but there's something called secure FTP. And I believe that is actually uh, uh, based on the remote login capability. It, yeah. That, it's not, it's not really FTP. I mean, it, it, I know it's called SFTP, but, but it's, it's actually a completely different protocol. It's tunneling the, the connections and all that over the SSH, which is exactly what you said. Yes, and that is better. I mean, without question. And actually, as a general tip, so I'm glad Apple puts this all in one place here, but as a general tip, and I think by, by default, when you install the OS, nothing is on in the sharing. You want to be careful of that, especially if you're uh, on a public Wi-Fi. Because I don't know about you, Dave, but you know, like when we travel and I go to trade shows or I'm at the airport and I'm on a public Wi-Fi, there are lots of people sharing things that I think don't mean to <laughs> yeah but here you go this is to 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 kind of rewind back to what two shows ago when we realized that little snitch has its 
rules or rule sets. I forget what they're called, but you know, you can have a set that allows your machine to be accessible for file sharing when right. you're home. But when you're not home, it, it, you know, it blocks all those ports, which actually would be a really handy thing. Cause I totally forget to either turn it on or off when I, when I move around on my, on uh, my uh, MacBook air. So very handy. I, yeah. And unfortunately, I don't know, maybe they'll fix this in the next OS, but um, I've also noticed sometimes that when I'm running, um, I think it's either iTunes or I, photo yep uh those programs have the ability to share as well and they're not last i checked included in the os's uh sharing well because they're apps they're not os level sharing right yeah i understand but but technically to me they are sharing so it would be nice if they were under that same category but it's not there those aren't running i mean to 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 get a little geeky about it those aren't running as Mm. root Right. Those are applications just sharing their data out on a port over 1000. So um, that that doesn't qualify as an OS level share. It's a app level share. So I, I, I mean, but but I'm thinking of it from, you know, the Unix Foundation standpoint where it makes total sense to not include it there from a casual user's point of view. I get what you're saying. You know, maybe maybe it does belong here. Because yeah. I've also found <laughs> some, uh, not so much music. Uh, music, yeah, you know, people like to share music. But but I have found some photo albums that, that I think people uh, really didn't intend to share. Yeah. With, uh, uh, <laughs> I would agree with that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, we got time for a couple more quick ones. So uh, so we'll talk about, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Jim and then we'll do Jurgen. And I think that will... Uh, just to prepare you, John, I think that will send us on our way today. Ah, yes. As long as I can find Jim's question here, which I can. Uh, we talked to two shows ago about uh, enabling scanning on the local network. And Jim writes and says, your discussion overlooked my favorite bit of software for this called ViewScan, V-U-E Scan. He says, seamless multi-scanner support lots of nifty built-in features and the thing is you're absolutely right jim i always forget about view scan and uh it it is gen- i don't want even want to use the word generic it but it, it it's it's uh multi-scanner it, it's non-scanner dependent right a lot of times you get you know a, an hp printer or scanner and, and you run hp software or, or epson's or whatever it is view scan is just scanner software and it works with a ton of scanners out there. Uh, I, I don't know if I should say that it works with all of them, because I'm sure we could find one that it doesn't. Some obscure, you know, uh, hasn't been sold in 10 year kind of scanner. But uh, but they say they've got support for over 2100 scanners. Uh, so, yeah. And it's from Hamrick, H-A-M-R-I-C-K dot com. But of course, uh, the link will be in the show notes. In fact, I can see that it already is somebody from the chat room. Probably Chris Humphreys put it, uh, put it out there, but, uh, but who, for all of you that help us edit the show notes, I thank you, John, thanks you. And I think I can speak on behalf of all the listeners. We thank you. Uh, it really does help, uh, push these things out very, very quickly for us. So it's good. Yeah. View scan. So, uh, so check that out. And I think it is, it is for pay software, of course, because people, uh, you know, these people need to make money. Um, and they're the standard edition. You can, it starts for 40 bucks. 
Um, and then there's, there's some other things. If you want to get really pro, you double your price and you get like, you can create raw scan files and have different color profiles and all that stuff. So, and they say that you get uh, free upgrades for a year. I'm looking at this. He says there's usually an upgraded version of ViewScan every week or two. So uh, I like, you know, I, I, I like small software vendors that constantly release updates, release early, release often, because uh, it, it's good. It, you know, keeps the bugs going and, and all that good stuff. So check it out. ViewScan. Good. All right, John. You want to uh, you want to take us home here with uh, with Jurgen's question? I will. A good one. And I'm with you with the app developers. So I don't believe some of them have the nerve to charge for upgrades. No. I think it's I think it's fine. You were joking, right? Okay. I'm joking because okay. there, there have been there's been chatter in uh, some circles when uh, when uh, the people release, uh, especially when they rate the app. They're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe the guy did a major upgrade and I got to pay again. I'm yeah. gonna give it one star. It's like, what's wrong with you? As you yeah. said, come on. Yeah. You know, I mean, software takes takes work it and takes, time and effort. You yeah. should be paid. And I, w- I would agree that major upgrades. I mean, you know, some of the programs I had, though, they went for ages before they wanted more money. I, I know. Mean, I think graphic converter was one of them. Yeah. They went yeah. forever. And at one point they're like, yeah, you know, we're doing a major upgrade. We want uh, 25 bucks or whatever. I'm like, yep, here you go. Yep, here's your money. Yeah, absolutely. OK. And Jurgen is going to help wrap it up here. And I don't know if I have an answer. I got a suggestion. I mean, maybe you could uh, right. get your thoughts on this here. So Jurgen says, hi, guys. I have a Lacie 4Big Quadra connected to a Mac Mini via Firewire. The Lacie goes to sleep from time to time, which is really annoying since it is also mounted from other remote Macs. If it then goes to sleep, the remote Mac sometimes can't find it anymore. I installed the Lacie Desktop Manager, hoping to get an option to prevent sleeping, but the LDM can't find the Lacie. All right, um, so I thought I'd open the terminal, CD to the Lacie, and then uh, he enters the following, uh, which actually looks kind of clever here. Uh, ping, space, dash I, which I believe is interval, uh, space 60, space 127.0.0.1, which is the uh, local IP address, space, then a uh, greater than, yeah, I think it's a greater than, space test.txt and i think what he's trying to accomplish there is to constantly or, or, or on one minute intervals write to this file called test.txt yeah and he's like i'll have to see if this works or if some caching prevents it can you think of a better slash other solution and yes i can <laughs> so one i i would wonder since it is hardwired um i would go to uh system preferences hardware energy saver and you're going to see a checkbox that says put hard disks to sleep when possible. I would make sure that's not checked. So that may be one way to, uh, to solve this. Uh, the other is that, yes, as far as I know, some drives have, uh, have, do have this setting embedded in their firmware. And you need the vendor's software. So what I'd say is yell at Lacie and get this software working. So you can hopefully undo this setting. Um, and that that's all I have. I don't, I don't know. I, I like his suggestion. That's kind of clever. And, and I think it, it, it should prevent it. Yeah, it or will. If, if the OS is enforcing it, I'm not, I'm not sure who's doing it again. I don't know if the drive is doing it or if the OS is saying, oh, okay, yeah, go to sleep, please. Right. So his solution is, uh, is perfectly valid. Uh, it, it's ingenious and it's actually a very commonly accepted way of, of doing things. In a in a sort of meta sense, right? I mean, it's it's just you know write something to the drive 
frequently enough that the drive never hits its sleep time out. That's that's sort of the, the, the general gist behind it. The only problem with his way of doing it is he's doing a uh, he's, he's just getting data back from uh, pinging the local machine. And he's doing it once once a minute and then echoing the, the results out to a file totally will accomplish his goal. However, the file is going to grow because of the way he's structured this Unix command. So it's not a lot of data. I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're talking about one line, you know, maybe 80, you know, bytes of text or something. Um, but it is going to grow this file. So um, there, there are other commands that can do this. Um, the touch command is often used to, to do this. And, and I believe in the current version of OS 10, uh, I guess it depends on how the hard drive is formatted, but I, I think d- using touch, which all it does is it um, makes the file um, act like it's been written to at whatever time you've ch- you'd said to touch it. And then that keeps the drive awake because the drive's got to write this change. But there is uh, someone that has taken care of packaging this all up for you. And uh, John Stovall is a, a shareware developer and he has a piece of software called Keep Drive Spinning. And I think we can surmise what that is meant to do. Uh, and in fact, it does this. So uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, and that would that would do it. So uh, and then and he keeps a zero byte file going and it, he makes it hidden with uh, with keep drive spinning. So it's a little a little cleaner than this other solution, but it will accomplish the same goal. So. So that's what we got. That's how it works. That's how we roll. And I believe, John, that that is uh, how we're going to roll to the outro. Wow. I did. I did want to say something. Why? Go ahead. Oh, well, about, um, you know, we were talking. I was t- talking earlier in the show about selling our, our old iPhones back to either Gazelle or uh, you know, back to your carrier or putting it on eBay. If you're going to put it on eBay, uh, where they, where things get really valuable for you is if your phone is out of contract and you have the ability to unlock it. But you, the trick is you need to unlock it before you sell it on eBay. And, uh, I do not know what this process is like for Verizon. I tried doing some searching about it and it's kind of weird. You probably need to call them and see what you need to do. But for, uh, for AT&T, there is a little web form that you can use. And I used it earlier this week. Uh, and within an hour or maybe two, they say it could take 48 hours to process the unlock request within an hour or two, the unlock was done. Uh, the way it works is you get the carrier to unlock it in their system and then you have to do a full restore from iTunes on the phone uh, because that forces the phone to reactivate itself and when it goes through it you'll actually get a little screenshot in iTunes that said this phone is now unlocked and by unlocked what it means is it can now work with any carrier uh, that you know that supports that phone so you know with a GSM phone you can put any carrier's SIM in it and uh, it'll work internationally and all that good stuff, and that makes it more valuable when you're uh, when you're going to go sell it for obvious reasons. Oh, look at this! Yeah, and someone posted in the chat room a way you can check. Uh, I don't know who these guys are. I'll assume it's trustworthy, but there's a website iPhone I N E I dot info. Very cool. Or if you enter, yeah, it's some some sort of unique identifier, I guess, for the phone. The I M E I. Right. It'll, it'll tell you. Right. 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 
Now, the other thing that's been pointed out to me before you sell your phone is that even if you do reset it, which is buried in one of the menus, I believe you also want to unregister it from Find My iPhone. That's true. Yes. Because I believe right. now, especially with iOS 7, uh, access to the phone is uh, can be restricted. So uh, That's right. Yeah, i got to remember to do that before I uh, send mine off. Yep. Yep. So they have instructions to do that. But, uh, yeah, I don't... The, the thing is, I think the phone I'm going to get, Dave, I think has a SIM. My current one does not because it's CDMA. But I think the 5S oh, right. from Verizon, I think, is... GSM yeah. capable, but I said no when I ordered it. They're like, are you going to use this phone internationally? And I'm like, no. Right. So I think I have the option in the future if I'd like to. Yeah, so it's so this, I, I believe it's the same little... same hardware. iPhone 5 and 5S is the same hardware for all carriers. I think that, I, I'm pretty sure that's what they did. And then okay. They, they just so have some have a little... configuration tweaks. Yep. Okay, so I'll have a little SIM slot. Not true. Okay, so someone, Brian no, in the chat room is saying that uh, the phones aren't exactly the same for all the carriers. Oh, all right. All right. I thought the, uh, yeah, I know there's three well, No, if, if they're asking me, then I would assume that, I mean, I may not get one, but if I wanted to use it overseas at some point, I should be able to, right? Uh, I, I thought so. I, I was under the impression that the hardware in terms of that was the same for all carriers. And I, I know that there are different configurations of it, but uh, I thought they all had the same radios in them. I, I thought they. I thought that was a big thing about the iPhone Five was that they just said done. You know, we're, we're going to make one of these. Um, mm-hmm. But I might be wrong. I, I may have misunderstood that. So we will research. That's good. If you have thoughts on the, okay, so people in the chat room are saying that there are different radios in uh, in the in the different phones. So your phone may not be able to go international, John. Uh, I think again when they when I upgraded, they said, "Do you plan on using this? You can change your mind later." But cool. I think it, it it influences what they will ship it with. Okay, I, think I can at some point. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I thought they were the same. I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to dig deeper. Anyway, uh, if you have thoughts about this or questions or anything else that you want to send us, feedback at macgeekab is the address to which you can send all that. Um. Muffins also, which uh, I believe Lisa is making some as we speak, Dave. Yeah, but the muffins, the muffins are not for the muffins are for the newly most important member of the household, Hector. <laughs> but if you wanted to send us muffins via email, uh, you can't do that. That's crazy talk, at least uh, not with current technology. Uh, I agree with you, Dave. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. That's feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Indeed. Yep. And uh, and for those of you that uh, want to go above and beyond, and, and you certainly don't have to, uh, but for those of you that do want to go above and beyond and offer some more direct support to the show, we do have uh, our premium program, which you've heard us talk about. Uh, MacGeekGab.com is where you can learn all about this, and you can join this premium program. There are many levels. You, you've all asked for different uh, um, amounts, uh, you know, over time to to pay to contribute, and that's great. We've got a, a ten dollar a month plan if you want that. We've got twenty five every six months if you want to to do it a little more slowly, and that's totally fine. Uh, for every and our our gift back to you is for every uh, hundred dollar threshold that you hit, you will qualify for the next free. Um, uh, premium gift and we just did our first round uh, of water bottles in fact I'm going to make the uh, image uh, the, the, the faceplate image for this episode uh, my favorite picture 
of uh, where one of these water bottles has been, at least of, that I've seen so far. So, uh, so I'll, I'll let you all see that when it uh, when when you look down at the at the M, at the MP3 or the the stock AAC image that sits kind of on the front of the show, and I'll make sure Michael has it for the uh, for the MP3. Um, so thank you for those of you that already have supported. Obviously, it makes a huge difference for for John and I. And for those of you that want to support uh, com, and you will see links right there. We've tried to make it super easy, and we've got a great system in place now. Um, third time's the charm, I will say, with that. So, mm-hmm. Yavol! And, and and you get the bonus uh, once you are a premium supporter. You do get the bonus of using the premium at MacGeekGab.com address, which we do prioritize. Uh, we do try to get through everything. I got to be honest, this week I didn't get through all the stuff in uh, in the main feedback box, but I'll catch up with it because I can't let it go. I'm just like, I'm totally CDO about that. CDO, of course, John is OCD in alphabetical OCD. order like it should be. That's right. <laughs> all right. What else do we got, John? What else? Uh, the Twitters. And, and I'm going to give a plug here to uh, if you would like to become a minion, then you may want to check out Hector D. Bird. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> On Twitter. Yes. And I keep telling That's, that bird, bird with a Y. Yeah. Yes. Hector D. B-Y-R-D. If you want to follow the antics of uh, Hector. Um, she's yeah, crazy. I'm, I'm a satisfied minion. Yeah. She, she's a nut. I keep telling her if you get too close to my girl... Watch out, bird. <laughs> I don't know. She'd be kind of tough, don't you think? Yeah. yeah. Anyways, um, but in addition to Hector, if you would like to uh, uh, follow me, I am John F. Braun. If you want to follow him, he is Dave Hamilton. The podcast is Mac Geek App. The publication is Mac Observer. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Mac Geek I try to uh, create the event there more than about nine hours before we record the show, um, and I usually succeed. So you'll know uh, when upcoming uh, live streams are happening, for those of you that are interested, but also when the show comes out, when the show notes come out, and other interesting links. And, and as, uh, as we went through in the show today, uh, we do some Q&A there as well, so you can follow along with some of that. So uh, it's all good. Is that it? Are we good, John? Have we hit the? Uh, Where have we hit the threshold? Three. So you know, you you know. In fact, I, I I confirmed this when I met with Magnus with John Champlin this week. Um, it is entirely your fault that we have wound up with with Hector because when I posted that tweet a month ago saying I just talked Lisa out of getting lovebirds and talked her into getting an African gray instead, you replied saying you should adopt Hector de Bird. And uh, John saw that and reached out to me, and that's that was the catalyst that started all of this. So, uh, so thank you. And I commented that um, I may have a career in getting animals uh, hooked up with people that deserve them. And I stick. And I, I, I chose those words very carefully. I, 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 I knew that you had. That's right. <laughs> I think you deserve. It. <laughs> I want to meet her. Oh, you got to come and meet her. I mean, some of the pictures are hilarious, especially the one where after she did a shot, I can almost see like this little gleam in her eye. Like, oh, yeah. Ha. Yeah, it's, she's, she's told hanging it's, upside down. I mean, yeah. it's, it's crazy. She's crazy. It's great. It's awesome. I, we had this thing the other day. She, I was in the other room and she did this like whistle melody. And I whistled another melody back to her. And we went back and forth for 10 minutes doing like, you know, riffing on whistle melodies and stuff back and forth. It's so cool. It's so it's really cool. It's another little brain in the house. That's cool. All right. Uh, 
Speaking of the house, I gotta get back. Oh, I knew it. We ran out. I ran out of vamp. That's the first time since I extended it, John. We've we've rambled too long. So we do want to thank Michael Johnston. Oh, I'm gonna I gotta bring the vamp back. It's just too weird. All right, fine. Uh we, we do have to thank Michael Johnson. I want to thank Michael Johnston. He's the host of We Have Communicators, uh, a great podcast about iOS and apps and uh, all kinds of stuff. You should definitely listen. He's also the one that converts this show to AAC and adds all the chapters, which I know many of you really, really love. So thank you, Michael, for all your hard work there. Uh, also, Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com with uh, the hosting that brings this show from us to you. In the podcast marketplace is uh, BB Edit and Yojimbo from Barebone Software, Text Expander, PDF Pen Pro, PDF Pen Scan uh, from uh, Smile, Gazelle, of course, to easily turn your old iPhone into cash, and Squarespace, don't forget, for a couple more days, MGG9 gets you 20% off all through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. All right, John, share the advice, share the love. What do you got? In this case, I will share, Dave. And what I'm going to share is that you should never get caught. Made up.